Well, welcome, Grace Church. It is great to see everybody tonight. Tell somebody sitting nearby how glad you are to see them. Yeah, that sounds good. That's a, that's a good, hearty welcome. I like it. I like it. Those of you joining us on live stream and Facebook Live, thank you for making our service a part of your evening, and we do pray that it is a blessing to you. As is our custom, why don't we stand tonight? I just like to kick off with a little praise and worship, a little prayer. Uh, let's ask God to uh, just usher us into his presence and to anoint everything that's done here on campus tonight. Can we do that together for a few moments? Jesus, we thank you for another opportunity to be here tonight. Lord, in this place, not only physically in Grace Church, but in the kingdom of God. What a privilege, what a, what a power comes with your presence, Jesus. We obey the scripture when we enter in with thanksgiving and praise. We thank you for what you've done for us this week already, Lord. Thank you for bringing us back from Sunday and, and just blessing us, Lord, and ordering our steps. And, Lord, I just pray everything that's done on campus tonight would be anointed and done according to your will. Open our minds, our hearts, our understanding to your word. Let it be done. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Now, would you just clap your hands to Jesus before you're seated? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Just a couple of notes before we move on. I, I want to remind or I, I want to announce for the first time tonight, uh, all of our connect group leaders, all of our connect group leaders. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me let me let me start over. Connect groups have been going awesome this semester. We have just had a tremendous, tremendous turnout. Uh, it, it's just going well. So much, uh, so many positive things have come out of our connect groups. And of course, that is due to our wonderful connect group leaders. And we appreciate you connect group leaders. Some of you just, you know, just kind of closed your eyes and took the plunge and said, I'll be a connect group leader. And it worked out great. And you're having a great time and your connect group uh, attendees are having a great time. And so as the, uh, this semester is coming to an end very shortly, and uh, we just want to pause and say thank you to our Connect Group leaders. So leaders, if you would save the date, November the 6th, that's a Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, we're going to have an appreciation dinner for you right over in the Alexander Center. And so that's for all Connect Group leaders. Uh, we just appreciate you so much, and we want to spend some time hanging out with you and enjoy a meal together. So please save that date. November 6th. Um, looking at some more immediate dates, this Saturday at 9 o'clock in the A Center is the health seminar with Dr. Butler. Uh, Sister Casey talked to us about that some Sunday morning. I hope you mark your calendars planning to be here for the health seminar. And then, of course, Ranch Day is in two, uh, about a week and a half, a little less than two weeks, October 22nd, out in LaRanger. Um, the, our church always goes and supports that, those of you that are able, and we encourage you to do that again this year. And then finally, we've been announcing it, but it's so much fun, the uh, Family Night Outside, a.k.a. Second Annual Chili Cook-Off, that is Saturday, October 29th. Amen. And thank you. We, uh, after we talked Sunday, we did get uh, some more contestants and some more judges. So thank you for responding to that announcement and helping Sister Sheila out. And uh, we're just going to have a great, great time. And we, we've kind of been talking about, hey, we need, you know, a contestant. You know, we need entries and we need judges and all that. 
Now that that's all squared away, the real deal is this. We want you to bring your family and friends. That's the real message right there. And especially we, 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 uh, we plan connect groups to come to an end right about that time so that all of our connect group leaders can invite. You know, if you have folks that have been coming that aren't attenders of Grace Church, this is a great way to transition them over from your connect group to the Grace Church campus. And uh, just introduce them to our church family. So it's a it's a great opportunity to just bring people with you that evening. So uh, so we're just looking forward to it. It's it's just going to be some great great time together. Uh, as pastor prepares to come to the uh, pulpit for uh, Bible study, I'll just leave you with this parting thought that I had uh, today. Uh, go all the way back to Sunday school. You might remember from Sunday school the joy of the Lord is my strength. Do you remember that song we would sing, the joy of the Lord is my strength, the joy of the Lord is my strength, the joy of the Lord, it was a real wordy song, okay, the joy of the Lord is my strength. But then the next part of that, and it was an action song, right, they were trying to get everybody, you know, the Sunday school kids to move, if you want joy, you must clap for it, right, if you want joy, you must jump for it, if you want joy, you must shout for it, you know, and we would just go down the line. And it is so true. Jo uh, the joy of the Lord sometimes is a choice. Sometimes we just have to make a choice and say, you know what? I'm going to believe the Lord's report. I'm not going to believe the world's report. I'm not going to believe the enemy's report. But I'm going to choose joy and let the joy of the Lord be my strength. Amen. Amen. I think that's good advice. Clap your hands as pastor comes to teach Bible study. you stand and let's go through that song a couple of times and we're done with that we can do father abraham for those of you that remember that one that song will either get you real spiritual or real carnal it just depends uh, brother dave mentioned the dinner we want to do for our connect group leaders uh, jesus said that we would become fishers of men so this dinner we're doing is very strategic for our connect group leaders because we're hoping uh, that the menu for that dinner will attract other people to want to be a connect group leader in the next semester. See, we're, we've got to do some planning and, and strategy. And, uh, but if everything goes as planned, we'll be uh, serving you folks some kind of a steak and a uh, potato and a green salad maybe and green beans, some dessert. And uh, kind of makes you wish you had went on ahead and been a connect group leader, don't it? But there's another semester coming, so it's going to be great, and you can bring your spouse with you uh, as well. So it's going to be a great, great time. Uh, I am so excited about uh, my Bible study tonight. Uh, I've been working on this for several months, and uh, actually I would like to uh, credit Sandy Taylor for just giving me a just a huge shove in the back to go ahead and proceed when I sat in the young adult Sunday school class Sunday and listened to her testimony at least the first part of it um, I realized how important this material was and uh, have been prepared to at least teach the beginning stages of it for a number of weeks but I just couldn't find the dynamic or the not the dynamic but the uh, the classroom setting uh, I wanted to teach it in the young adult class, and I just decided, you know what, I can cast a much bigger net if I do it on Wednesday night. 
So I want to thank Sandy for the inspiration. <clears throat> the material that I want to teach tonight, and uh, hopefully, Lord willing, for the next several Wednesday nights, so thankful our youth group is in here. This is going to be so applicable to them. Uh, it will be applicable to all of us, but especially them because of their young age. Uh, but it comes from uh, Andy Stanley, and I give him full credit for this material and also give him full credit for the tremendous inspiration and motivation it has given to me. And uh, so I wanted to say that up front. And um, his motivation for this, I'm going to be talking to you about the principle of the path. The principle of the path. And his motivation happened when he was a very young man. And uh, he talked about one night getting lost. He and a friend late one night uh, being silly and not so mature in the pitch darkness drove down a closed unfamiliar under construction highway they drove through the barricades between the barricades that said it was closed ignored all the signs and he said he to this day really doesn't understand why but there was a stranger uh, another man who had also gone down that road but had stopped at some point, um, was managed to stop Stanley and his friend and usher them out of that situation, lead them out of that situation before they ran off the end of the road into a literal swamp. And you say that would be hard to happen. It's not hard to happen when it's pitch black, it's unfamiliar. And you don't know where you're at. You don't know where you're going. The same thing can happen to you and I. It has nothing to do with a person's IQ. has nothing to do with a person's education, their goals in life, their net worth, their looks, or even church attendance. Stanley said, we would have ended up in the swamp because that's where the road led. And that was the road we chose. That's where it led. And it was our choice. Anybody. Everybody say anybody. Anybody. Regardless of race, creed, color, or sex. Would have ended up in the same place. Had they chose to drive down that stretch of highway. It didn't end in one place for one kind of person and then end somewhere else for another kind of person. The unfinished stretch of highway that night was no respecter of persons. Everybody that drove down that road got the same treatment. And that's true of every highway, of every freeway, of every driveway or path, it leads where it leads, regardless of who's on it. But here applies to other arenas of your life as well. Roads lead to the same place every time, no matter who's traveling on them. Does that make sense to anybody here tonight so far? 
and what's perfectly obvious in the realm of geography is not so obvious in those other arenas. As we are about to discover, what is true geographically is equally true spiritually, relationally, financially, physically, academically, the list goes on. All of our young folks, there is a parallel principle that affects dating. It affects dating. Don't y'all forget that. For all of us married people out here, there's a parallel principle that affects marriage. To our parents, there's a parallel principle that affects parenting. It affects our emotions. It affects our health. And certainly, our relationship with God and a host of other areas in our life as well. So just as there are physical paths that lead to predictable physical locations, there are other kinds of paths that are equally predictable. I don't expect you to accept my premise just yet, but before you start pushing back on me, consider this. What if I'm right? What if there really are financial paths that lead to predictable financial destinations? What if there are relational paths that lead to predictable relational destinations? What if there are emotional and spiritual paths that lead to specific emotional and spiritual destinations? Now, I don't have to convince anybody here tonight that there are dietary paths that lead to very specific health destinations. Dr. Bertler will be here Saturday morning to talk to us about that. As we all know, people whose lifestyle decisions lead them to predictable predicaments and what if those we all saw it coming scenarios reflect a universal principle. What if that is true? What if there's a single unifying principle that governs what happens not only on the highway but in every area of life? I believe there is. The truth is the principle of the path is real. This is called the principle of the path. This is referred to as a principle because this isn't a rule you follow. Truth is, the principle of the path follows you. The principle of the path is not a law. You can break a law. Listen to pastor. You can break a law. But the principle of the path has the power to break you. It's not an idea or concept you choose to apply. As we'll discover here in a moment, it's being applied to you every moment of every day. Principles are different from rules or laws. Let me ask you this question. When you were in high school, do you by any chance remember studying the Archimedes principle? Does anybody remember that? No? I didn't, I didn't think so. Um, it ought to. It ought to ring a bell because every time you get into a pool, 
a boat. Every time you get in the bathtub or a cruise ship, you are being impacted by Mr. Archimedes's principle of buoyancy. But you may argue, wait a minute, that's impossible. I don't even know what that is. Maybe not. But you are impacted by it just the same. And to be fair, so is everybody else that you know. That's the nature of a principle. You don't have to know it or even apply it to be impacted by it. And that's just the beginning. The principle that explains why a drowning man sinks is the same principle that explains why the flotation device the lifeguard throws in his direction floats. When the principle of buoyancy is leveraged, things float. When this principle is ignored or misapplied, things sink. Does that make sense to anybody here tonight? So according to Archimedes' principle, a body immersed in liquid receives an upward thrust from the bottom toward the top equal to the weight of the displaced liquid. So five-ounce pebbles will sink to the bottom of a pond. But with the proper application of this principle, a 51-ton battleship will float on the sea. Now, Archimedes was an inventor as well as a mathematician, so he did not invent this principle. He discovered it. Things were sinking and floating long before he came on the scene. He simply gave the world an explanation for something that had been happening since the first duck was spotted floating on the first pond. <clears throat> so knowing about his principle won't keep you from sinking, but knowing how to leverage it will. That is the nature of a principle. Does everybody understand that? Y'all got to be on board with me here. Now shake your head. So like Archimedes' principle, the principle of the path is not anyone's invention. It's a discovery. A discovery that explains patterns that have been observed since the beginning of time. Specifically, the principle of the path explains why so many people's dreams don't come true. It explains why intelligent people with admirable goals and ambitions end up far away from where they intended to be relationally and financially and educationally and emotionally and certainly spiritually. The principle of the path explains why people who seemingly have everything end up at some point in their life with nothing. As Archimedes' principle explains both why rocks sink and boats float, this principle explains why some people do well in life and why others do not. The principle of the path is more than an explanation. It's more than an explanation. It's a principle, which means that once it's discovered, it can be leveraged. To leverage something is to borrow or use its power. The principle of the path is a powerful principle, and its power is available to anyone who is willing to leverage it. If you've grown up in and around the church, maybe there's some people here tonight that's grown up around a farm, you may be familiar with the principle of the harvest. 
as is the case with Archimedes' principle, whether or not you're familiar with it, you've been impacted by it. The principle of the harvest states that we reap what we sow. You sow apple seeds, you'll reap a harvest of apples, watermelon seeds, you get it. There's nothing new here. But this cause and effect relationship is in place. Listen to Pastor tonight. This cause and effect relationship is in place whether you know about it or not. Whether you understand it or not. Whether you can explain it or not. It doesn't matter. It's in effect. It applies whether you know it or believe it or not. And as in the place uh, whether you agree with it or not. Chances are, we've all heard about the principle of the harvest being applied to the realm of agriculture. The principle of the harvest applies especially to spirituality. The principle of the harvest applies to friendships. It applies to finances and marriage and so on. Bottom line, the principle of the harvest applies to every aspect of life. Bottom line, what you put into something impacts what you can expect to get out of it. Neglect your marriage. Neglect your health. The, end, the outcome of that is going to be pretty predictable. Y'all understand? Y'all follow me here tonight? You experience this principle at work, throughout your time in school. You experience this principle in church. You experience this principle in relationships. What you put in determined what you got out. So this principle operated in the background of your life, whether you were aware of it or not. And if someone had brought it to your attention and you refused to accept it as true, it really wouldn't have mattered. You were going to reap what you sowed anyway. It's just how principles work. That's just how principles work. That's just how principles work. And the principle of the path is no different. Whereas I've never met anyone who disputed Archimedes' principle of buoyancy or God's principle of the harvest. I have talked to a lot of individuals and I've talked to a lot of couples, Sister Mirth both have, who refuse to accept these principles. And the tragedy is believing it or not believing it doesn't change the fact that it operates in the background of our lives each and every day. So the principle of the path, if embraced, will empower you to identify the path that leads to the destinations you desire in a multiple of arenas, especially spiritual. I want to say that again. The principle of the path, if you embrace it, will empower you to identify the path that leads to the destinations you desire in a multitude of arenas, especially spiritual. Especially spiritual. This is one powerful principle that will aid you in identifying the path you should avoid as well. The principle of the path will empower you to identify the paths that you should avoid as well. Let me be a little more specific here tonight. If you're married, this principle, the principle of the path, if you're married... It will help you stay married. If you and your spouse embrace this idea, 
your marriage will get better. If you have kids, this principle will position you to hand off your values and worldview to your children. If you're in the church, this principle will help you stay in the church. The principle of the path. Everybody say that. The principle. I've seen this principle heal broken relationships. Takes a lot of discipline and a lot of accountability, but it works. Better yet, better yet, this principle, this simple idea of the principle of the path protects relationships from ever being broken to begin with. There are things that you've sown that you didn't have to. So, if you're single, if you're single, if you're single, this insight will maximize your potential for healthy and enjoyable relationships. When you apply, when it's applied to the realm of finance, this principle will ensure that you live with more margin and less pressure. I've seen individuals and couples take this to heart and within a few months dramatically change the way they handle their view of finances. Sister Murph and I have both seen that through the years. But that's just half the story. Embracing the principle of the path is the key to avoiding regret. The principle of the path is the key to avoiding regret and all kinds of regret. The principle of the path can help you avoid relational regret, professional regret, academic regret, moral regret, marital, and especially spiritual regret. So as a pastor, I've heard more stories of regret than I can recount tonight. I've worked with individuals and couples through bankruptcy. Sister Murphy and I both have. We've worked through with individuals through divorce. We've worked with people through not divorcing. We've been in court with people when they've been in custody battles over their children. We've been through lawsuits, partnerships gone bad, and kids gone wild. We've been through all of that with people. I've listened to countless people tell me how badly they wish they could go back and do it all over. I've talked to people who wish they had a dated different. I've talked to people who wish they had married differently and spent money differently. And I've talked to a lot of people who wish they had parented differently. To people who wish they could go back and just start over with life and live it differently. Talk to all kinds of people that have lived in these places that I've just described. The reason they were there is because they did not understand the principle of the path. That when you choose to take a road, it's going to end up at a destination. Doesn't matter. If you put New York City in your GPS, I know it's a long ways away, but if you'll persevere, if you'll follow that GPS, it will lead you there. That's where you're going to end up. It's not going to take you to Wyoming. It's going to take you to New York City. I felt so bad and so sorry as I listened to my sweet aunt and uncle, the Bullers that we refer to from time to time, 
uh, he passed away, as you know, but uh, he was in the beginning stages of Alzheimer's and what have you, and, and they drove down here. He was insistent to come see his family in Lake Charles. She wanted to see her family in this area. And they were just driving down the interstate. She was reading a book and would look up periodically and just look back down to the book and realize that after about 200 miles, they were on the wrong road. Some 200 miles. Cost them some four hours of traveling. That they had now had to get out the map and figure out how to get back over to the right road. It's the principle of the path. The road you choose to take, no matter what it is, is going to take you to a destination. Now, I'm going to jump a whole lot more into this in the coming Wednesday nights. This is just an introduction. But I would listen to so many people sitting in my office wishing they could go back and do things over. And we all know, of course, you can never go back. Somebody said, life is an hourglass glued to the table. When your hourglass runs out of sand, you can't turn it over and start again. Perhaps you've heard someone make the argument that experience is the best teacher Perhaps you've heard people say, and I've said it, that experience is the best teacher. I've said that. said it many times. And it may be true, but it's only half the truth. Experience is often a brutal teacher. Experience sometimes has no compassion. It's not empathetic. It don't give you a pass. Experience eats up your most valuable commodity called time. Learning from experience can eat up years. It can steal an entire stage of life. No people. There's names and faces that are just going through my mind like you're flipping a Rolodex. When Those of you who remember what that is. It's like you're just going through a photo album of just person after person after person after person after person. Some learn from experience, most don't. But it can steal an entire stage of life. Experience can leave scars. Experience leaves inescapable memories. Experience can leave horrible regret. And sure, we all live and learn. But living and learning doesn't erase regret. And regret is more than a memory. It is more than clever or logical. It's emotional. Regret has the potential to create powerful emotions. Emotions with the potential to drive a person right back to the behavior that created the regret to begin with. Many people don't raise your hand, but I'm sure we all know women especially who's been in an abusive marital relationship. And they keep going back. There was a person that I would be quite confident nobody else knows here tonight but Sister Murphy and I came to my house, came to our house about 10 years ago and said she can't live with her husband anymore because he beats her continually. He's put her in emergency room two or three times. One time he beat her face so badly they completely had to reconstruct one whole side of their face. The steel plate, screws, all of that 
to reconstruct it, broke her arm, broke her collarbone, broke her ribs. She almost died. You guessed it. She went back. It's amazing to me that regret has the potential to create powerful emotions. Emotions with the potential to drive a person right back to the behavior that created the regret to begin with. What about alcohol? Anybody ever seen that? People are addicted to alcohol and they want to quit and they want to quit and they want to quit. How about smoking? How about drugs? You can go right down the line. And they'll, boy, they'll get to that point and they'll get their family all excited. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And all of a sudden, some event or circumstance happens in their life, pushes them over the edge, and they're right back where they started. And the battle ensues all over again. Young people, listen to Pastor. Please listen. I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you to please listen. If regret can be avoided, it should be. And the principle of the path will empower you to do just that. Now, I realize that's a pretty big promise. I wouldn't blame you for being a bit skeptical. I'm well aware that the discount table at the local bookstore is filled to capacity with books making similar promises. But if you'll indulge, indulge me over the next few Wednesday nights, I believe I can connect enough dots to convince you that this is not exaggeration or hyperbole this is not self-help I'm not offering anybody a formula I'm not going to provide you with a certain number of steps to take I had somebody in my office a number of years ago they just came by to see the building and we were taking them on a tour when we first bought it and they went in my office and went straight to my library and I have a whole shelf about that long of self-help book stuff and there's nothing wrong with that and this person said and they're in a very bad place right now. They're in a very difficult place, challenging place right now. And they said, I am so sick and tired of reading self-help books, I don't want to read another one because they never work. What this person didn't understand, I'm going to get into this later in, in some of our future Wednesday nights, two or three down the line. If you're lost out in the woods, Self-help is not going to help you. Do you all understand that? You could take somebody that's been lost in the woods for four or five days or four or five weeks. They're starving to death and all these things that goes along with that. And you can counsel with them. You can send in the world-renowned counselors. You can send in preachers. You can send in anybody and everybody you want to and counsel them until they're blue in the face. But that is not going to take them back to where they came from. That is the beauty of biblical repentance. When you're lost, true repentance is you do an about face and you go back away from that thing that has you so snared and so burdened. Does everybody understand? This is the principle of the path. Help is not going to necessarily take you back to where you belong. You have to choose the right path to get back to where you belong. That's the power of the principle of the path that we want to pound home uh, as, as diligently as we can. <clears throat> so my intention tonight in conclusion <clears throat> is to bring to your attention a dynamic that is operating in the background of your life and the lives of the people you love. 
And if you accept this premise, you will discover that what I've learned about leveraging this powerful principle is for your benefit. Because like the other principles to which I've referred, the principle of the path impacts your life every single day. And like any principle, you can leverage it for your benefit or you can ignore it and reap a harvest of regret. It's not always that we need help. We need to reverse our direction and get back to a safe place in our relationship with Jesus. I will be honest with you. I'll be honest, very honest. Uh, I don't do a lot of counseling anymore. And if I'm not confident, if a person comes to me and says, I need some counseling, can you help me with this and that? If I'm not confident they're going, if they just want somebody to listen and vent, I'll do that. I'll do it for a, a little while. But I'm not going to just sit in hours and hours and hours and pour myself into somebody and to have them get up and walk out and just keep repeating what they're doing. People have to change their direction. And that's where people making their lives better, making their marriages better, becoming better parents and all that. It's making the right choices, choosing the right path, and sticking with it through thick and thin, high water. It doesn't matter. You stick with it, you stick with it, you stick with it. Where I have so much respect for this man and his family is when they were blown away by things in 2016 that a lot of people would have walked away from God over. Just feel abandoned and God don't care and all that. It just, it was, y'all know the story. I never saw one time where they wavered, where they faltered in their faith, their commitment, their love for God, their love for the church. The one thing they look forward to is when this trial was behind them, that they could get back involved in the kingdom. I have sat at their kitchen table on other occasions where they have wept and sobbed and asked, why did these things happen? But never wavered in their faith and their confidence in God. They chose a path, and there's a lot of exits, but they chose to never get off. We're going to serve God. It goes back to that old, old verse in the Bible that Joshua said so eloquently one day, told all the Jews, you can go back to Egypt, you can go wherever you want to go, you can do whatever you want to do, you can choose whatever path you want to take, but as for me and my house, this is what we're going to do. I'm hesitant to do what I'm about to do. I told Brother Merrill one time when they were here, one of his boys had accomplished something amazing. I don't remember exactly what it was. And um, I said, won't you tell the church about it? He said, man, I can't get up in front of the church and brag on my kids. I said, well, who else is going to do it? And church people sometimes will beat them up. They don't mind doing that, but they're not going to brag on them. You know. I'm glad we don't have that at Grace Church. I'm so thankful we don't have that at Grace Church. Anyway, <clears throat> it's the old adage, if you don't toot your own horn, nobody's going to toot it for you. But I've had numerous people ask me about Casey and Chris and the way they're raising the boys. And you know, they're so disciplined. They're on such a schedule. They're on such a path. They're just doing great. They're doing great. They're doing great. Let me tell you something. These people have had enough stuff thrown in their way 
in the years that they've been married, they could have exited the path they're on a thousand times. But they have chosen a path, and they commit to that, and they live it every day. There's other families here that do the same thing. They do the same thing. But there's other families that get off and Grace Church in its way goes after them. We bring them back if we can. They'll have a good praying through and they go out again. And it just keeps building up regret and regret and, and more regret and then putting more things into their kids. I want to conclude tonight with this. I thought I saw Sandy. Uh, maybe she's working in the kids' church. Well, there you go. Teaches Sunday school and She's up in kids' church now. But when she was sharing her testimony Sunday, somehow I wish it could have been recorded. I don't know. I don't know if she would want that or not, but it deeply moved me. Learned things that I didn't know. But what did happen to me in that Sunday morning, I got emotional. And uh, that I could see some of our church kids 10, 15 years from now, sitting where she was sitting with tears streaming down her face and saying that even though my early years started off in church, I chose the wrong path. Now, Sandy didn't quite have that experience. I'm just bumping ahead to people here at Grace Church. You have these sweet little darlings that are 5, 6, 7, 8 years old, 12 years old, whatever. And you have them in church, and they love kids' church, and you just can't imagine as a parent one day of them being addicted to drugs, having two or three kids out of wedlock, you name it. But it can happen. That's why it behooves everybody in this building. When we dedicate our babies, I include all of our church family. We have to create a support group here to keep our parents encouraged and all of that, keep our kids encouraged. They're not just little noises in the background running around the church when church is over. They're people. And they have a soul. And God knows them and knows where they are. Knows, he knows. David said he knew the path that I was going to take. While I was in the womb, he knows the path that I take. We have to be responsible for these things. We have to take some degree of accountability. And don't just pass that off as so-and-so's kids. Pour yourself into people. Pour yourself into our young people and our children that they will understand the principle of the path that you're walking on as a committed, dedicated child of God. Please do that. We won't regret it. I know how it feels as pastor to have great young men in our youth group. It's been a number of years ago. And uh, got a phone call on Christmas Eve from his mother sobbing. My son is in jail. Can you please go see him? She called his name, of course. I'm not going to, but can you please go see him? He's in the jail by the airport. He is an accessory to murder. Not this boy. No way, man. I mean, he lived on the edge a little bit here and there, but when he was 15, 16 years old, and he, he rebelled a little bit here and there, but a lot of that's normal. But an accessory to murder? What happened? He got in a car with a friend. Friend had a falling out with a grown man. And the grown man bested him in this skirmish that happened several days prior. 
He didn't tell his buddy what he was going to do. He just said, I'm going to this man's house. When the man came to the door, he shot him several times in the stomach with a 22 pistol. And because our church boy was in the car, he was an accessory that day. Put him on suicide watch. I never saw it go. It's the principle of a path. It's when you choose a road, it is going to take you to a destination. All right. God bless you folks. If you want to hear more of this, You'll have to come back next Wednesday night, and I hope you do. I hope the house is full next Wednesday night. It's going to keep getting better and better. Amen. God bless you tonight. Thank you for your attention. Uh, You're dismissed, and we'll look forward to seeing you Sunday morning for another amazing church service at Grace Church. God bless you tonight.